Welcome to Truthiverse, the number one podcast for free and discerning minds. I'm your host, Brendan Murphy, author and founder of The Truthiversity. As a freedom hacker and truth addict, it's my job to help you reclaim yourself from illusion and live in your power. Living in truth sets you free to holistically upgrade your entire life so you can explore infinite possibility. Join me as we hack our way to a higher evolution. If you're a discerning, open-minded and dedicated seeker who loves a good deep dive into the nature of reality and consciousness, then do check out my book, The Grand Illusion, composed of over 10,000 hours of research and experience. Find more information and reader reviews at brendandmurphy.com slash TGI. All right, ladies and gents, welcome to this episode of Truth of Us. This week, I'm joined by Alabar Jones, who's been a friend of mine for many years now, and he just happens to be a professional exorcist with a whole new paradigm around exorcism, demons, mental health. He works across a range of mental health issues um, in his very esoteric capacity. So, mate, please do jump in and, and clarify exactly what it is that you do. Oh, look, let's just make it really, really simple, right? All mental health issues are the result of demonic interference. Right? It, it is, it's really that simple. Um and once you start taking the demons out, then their thoughts stop being so wobbly and start on a more human, more um, normal track. Like, the patient's you know, thoughts get, get more centred and aligned and stable, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's you know, like and, and currently most people will go to, visit, you know, if there's a mental health issue, they'll get, uh, they'll get medicated for the rest of their life. Yeah. Like they'll get this medication that doesn't work. Let's try this other one, and then before you know it, you're um, you know, you've got this cocktail of six to ten different medications that you're on, which mm-hmm. may change over time. Mm-hmm. And and but that's forever. Um, however, what what I've been finding is that the thing that those the the chemical imbalance they're trying to counterbalance is not a chemical imbalance at all. It's a spiritual imbalance. There's a there's a monster living in their head. And if you wonder where the voices come from, I want you to give me another candidate other than demons. Like, who else could it be? Who else? Like, I can't, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to, to suggest something. Um, but yeah, like, once you take those guys out, then all of the symptoms disappear. All right, so let's just, let's just back up a bit. How did you get into this very... Wacky line of work, as some people might see it. <laughs> well, look, you know, I didn't plan. I didn't wake up one morning and go, "What's the weirdest thing I can do?" Like, you know, um, it 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 evolved slowly. Um, and I, I used to be an Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and you know, six of the twelve steps mentioned God, so I thought, bloody hell, I better go out and find one. And I, <laughs> and I went. No, it was, uh, you know, you know, you, when you you know we're not. It's not an easy time getting sober. Like of all the things I've done, that was the hardest thing I've ever done, right? And um, and hats off to anybody who's going through that. But uh, you know, I went and went to the old school churches, and they didn't have anything to show me. I went to the newer happy clappy churches, and they were nice people, but again, they couldn't help me. Um, I went to the hung out with the Buddhists, and the Buddhists have some good meditation techniques. But they don't show you the really interesting stuff till you've been around for five or ten years and you're ready to put on the orange rope. So I went and did a weekend course in astral travel with some hippies, and all, and they just wanted some money, and that was easy. Like you know, I had some money, and um, and it and it paid dividends. I got results. You know, I also did landmark and a couple of I did the twelve steps uh, three times in one year with diminishing returns, uh-huh. which is it's a it's a healing. Um, procedure but you know they don't they don't see it that way um yeah well they wouldn't use those words that's for sure the um yeah but i went and did this thing and it paid dividends i did these meditation exercises and it worked for me and then i did another course and i did another course and on the third one they just introduced the concept of demons they say look here's some parasite spirits here's how you scan for them here's how you see them and okay that's interesting and um and I would go and sit in a 12-step meeting and I'd just scan everybody in the room and everybody had a major infestation. Like everybody had six to 10 demons hanging off them. It was terrible. 
And, and like, and I was the only, I seem to be the only person who who noticed this. Like nobody else knew what I was talking about. And I thought this is really important. This is really important. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Which that, and then after about six months of not figuring out how to beat them up, um, I took a one-way flight to India to go on this, the on a spiritual quest to go and find the answer. And the story goes on and on from there. You know, like um. <laughs> I, I would have, I would have taken a dozen different trains of courses in uh, astral travel, um, uh, healing, uh, e everything esoteric I've studied. Like uh, you know, kind of like yourself, you know. Like uh, it's, yeah, and it does, and it does mix in with science if you are ready to to translate between those two languages, yeah. as, as you would know better than anybody, right? Thank you. Yes, <laughs> you're quite. I agree. <laughs> yeah, and so like uh, that's how I got involved in it. That's how I decided that that was a good thing worth doing, um, because I like, I would sit in the twelve step meetings and I'd just listen to people pour their hearts out in such pain and agony, like the stuff these guys are going through in their own head. Like, don't be jealous. You would never be jealous of it. You don't. You don't want to. You don't want to repeat their experience. You know. Um, but I thought if I could figure this out, then I could alleviate some of that pain. And as it's turning out, that's what's coming true. So around the time after you've done, you know, the spiritual quest to India, is that around the time where you decided I'm going to, you know, focus in my energies on this and, and start really tackling it? Yeah, totally. Totally. Like this is, um, and, and, you know, and I've had opposition at every step of the way. Like if you remember, uh, the law of attraction with Abraham Hicks, right? The whole story is think of the thing you want and then get really excited and positive about it and it will pull it to you, right? And that their attitude to negative thoughts is that they are unholy and unclean and thou shalt be banished from our from our social circle if you talk about that stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and that's how it worked. That's how it worked for a long time. Okay, so you did you start to take on one-on-one -on -one clients actually no let me ask you because i know you've done probably at this point you've done like what more than fifteen thousand hours worth of meditation um yeah, like that's, a, lot, yeah. a lot like yeah, maybe tons. twenty thousand or whatever the number is now it's like a, it's a ridiculous amount so esoteric, yeah 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 um so by this by this stage you, you're probably you've got the skill set i guess and you've got a certain amount of like you know the the different psychic faculties that you can lean on as your tool you know toolkit mm -hmm. To do this kind of work right oh, absolutely like um you know i've done uh I, i've fought reptilians i've fought greys i've fought uh mantoids with great success uh we started I, I formed groups of people who like to do this sort of stuff and now we uh we have astral travel missions where we have little gorilla teams who go and blow shit up on the dark side like we're having the best we're having the best time but one of the other things that we did was we did a um what do you call that an organizational structure chart for demon kind for okay. a satan and lucifer yeah we yeah. we um yeah so i our team probably knows as much about that stuff as anybody right is what i would say okay yeah, right, we, we've got them all figured out. It's just a matter of man hours to put in to slowly dismantle their structure, uh, liquidate their their people, and um, and end their influence here on earth. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that they can the the influence can be completely eradicated? Well, that's what our teams are dedicated to, um, yeah. and and um, and we think it's feasible actually. Like there is um. Yeah, yeah. Short answer, yes. Um, long answer, yes, but it's a lot of work. Like there's, um, you know, like we need people who have been flying for or astral traveling for 10,000 hours minimum, because these are the guys who have the awareness, who've got the experience, who've got, who know how to, tra who know how to map and traverse multiple um, dimensions simultaneously, how to dissolve our enemies. Like there's a lot of skills that come through that. And um and I am so impressed and with some of the talented talented people I'm working with it is uh, it's it's a beautiful thing, um, yeah. 
But so, uh, go ahead. Talk, yeah, well, look, you know, I mean, I suppose people are curious about how demon kind is organized, right? I well, mean, like, obviously, yeah, we got to go there because you, you brought it up. Let's let's find out what what is the structure that your team has uncovered. All right, all right. So each okay, so you have Satan and Lucifer at the top, and there's three layers of um, of major demons whose names are listed here, there, and everywhere, right? Well, the major Goetica, stuff like that. Um, and each of them probably has uh, well, several hundred million agents or minions. Uh-huh. And, you know, the foot soldier's job is to stimulate the human being for that emotion. Yeah. So for some of them, it'll be anger or despair or hatred or self-loathing. Or that, and the list goes on and on, depending on whichever demon you're talking about. Um, because what and what happens is that de- that minion will will create the thought in that person's torus field to go, oh yeah, I hate myself, and then it'll start spinning around, and the human will hear that thought and then start thinking all the crazy thoughts we got, and create twenty points of that same feeling, that same energy. All of that is then extracted by the minion, and it's sent upstairs to its masters, and you know and. There's like six layers of hierarchy, um, you know, foot soldiers, sergeants, and then officers to the general. But we looked at each of these groups, and all of them are on starvation wages, right? And I, I'd say that no, I, I put I, sorry the amount the amount of energy that they're taking out of humanity, the the quality of loose, and I'm going to use it interchangeably with money for them, cool. uh, but the loose that they're getting is um you know, is just enough to sustain themselves and it always gets passed up. And it's the same at every level, right? And what we thought was you get it. Okay, so I'll talk about Al Ghul because I have a special relationship with this guy. Can you repeat Al that Ghul. name for me, sorry? Say again? So can you say that name again for us? A Al Ghul, A-L-G-H-U-L. He's the god of alcohol. Oh, okay. right? He's the god of, he's a Muslim deity. He's the god of, chaos and destruction and mayhem and fermentation and rot and collapse, right? But and alcohol fits in there. Yep. Now, where the um, the Spanish, uh, sorry, where the Christian and Muslim empires met was in Spain. And as you would know, the Spanish word, the Spanish name for him is alcohol, algul, alcohol, and then in English, it's alcohol. Mm-hmm. And when, they say, when people say drinking spirits, they're talking about a very specific spirit. They're definitely imbibing that particular individual. Mm-hmm. And it's not, the mechanism is no different to the one with ayahuasca, right? But ayahuasca is completely benign and will take you on a journey to better yourself and bring you to realizations to discover how I could be a better person, how I could be nicer to the world around me. Great stuff. Al Ghul, however, is not doing that. He's doing kind of the opposite. And, um, and so this is why you can't get a beer in the Muslim world because they know everything about this guy and they don't want anything to do with it. They outlawed alcohol because they don't want this demon in their people. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. The Irish don't seem to have a problem with it. The Russians don't seem to have a problem with it. But, you know, sailor be. <laughs> the, Irish and, the Irish and Al Ghul are like this, mate. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. They, I mean, come on, that. Irish National Day is a celebration at Al Ghul. The world <laughs> over, the entire world is supposed to get drunk. It's like, it's like Christmas for Al Ghul. I don't yeah. know what the hell to think about it. <laughs> it couldn't be crazier. Yeah, nice. But anyway, anyway, going back to the story. Um, oh, sorry, one of the one of the things we've also succeeded in in doing is treating alcoholism. So people have been drinking for 20, 30 years. You pull Al Ghul's minion out, you add a couple of other features, and um, and they don't care about alcohol anymore. I, I, I had this one guy ring me up. He goes, I drove past the pub today. I finished work at 4 o'clock, and, you know, and it was always a battle every time. And I'd drive home and not, didn't care. I just drove straight past it for the first time. Thank you. <laughs> right, it was really, it's really lovely. Really. <laughs> ah, so so okay. So when you you know you get some say you you know you get someone like this who's got a, an alcohol addiction or what have you, and they're like, Alistair, I know you're the guy for the job. Help me out. What does it look like on your end when you go to do this work? <clears throat> oh, um, 
Okay, so quite often I can get dominion to talk in, you know, to talk into somebody's head, uh-huh. and then the words, then they get the repeat the words out of their mouth. So I can have a conversation. Um, the three of us can have a conversation together. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's a mind blower, and and I've actually got a video of it on YouTube. Um, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. I um, right, but yep. you know, it's <laughs> yeah. And, you know, once you ask them the right questions, you really get to see who they are and what they're about. And um, and once you see that a few times, you really understand what a menace they are. Like nice. All of the things that humanity holds dear, all the things that are beautiful and holy, no, nope. no, nope. it's the opposite. And like 90% of bad behaviours, I think, are caused by these, I think. You know, but I, I don't have the research capacity to really say that clearly. But I will say a lot of bad behaviour. <laughs> Trust the science. Um, so, uh, <laughs> what I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like wanting to get into some maybe nitty gritty. Like when someone who is say sober and clean maybe goes and has you know they head down to the pub and they pick up you know a drink of choice. Yep. What's, ha- what's happening there? What are you seeing as a clairvoyant? Well, okay, okay, so. I will tell a, a, a real life story. This came out of Melbourne when I was living there a few years back. And there was a guy there who was sober for 23 years. And then he, um, after 23 years, the demons in his head got the better of him. And he went and he, he went and, he, and the phrase is he picked up a drink, right? He started drinking again. So, and he said that he, He said that he found himself in exactly the place he was 23 years ago and, like, not one day had passed in between. And he was standing out the front of the supermarket picking fights and getting drunk. That was what his idea of a good time was when he was drinking. But, you know, this guy's 60 now. Like, So you go, wow, (laughs) that's a very – I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do. But you see, the 12-step program – like I always knew, like everybody knows, a sort of a counterbalance to something. Like they wouldn't be able to name it as demons. And um, and when I talk to twelve steppers about demons, they're usually quite hostile to the idea. Like they don't like the idea that this might be caused by demons. So I'm not getting much traction there. But um, you know, there was a point at which you know during my uh, long journey to sobriety, I had to decide how many meetings a week I needed. Right, which was Something similar to how much insulin does a diabetic need? How much How much of calm and quiet do I need to get during my week to counterbalance the crazy in my head? Uh-huh. And, it, and, it, and you'll, you'll literally see people sh- like start the meeting all really agitated and, oh, and, and really drop out by the end of it. it there is a medicine there. Like, let, let there be no um, mistakes about that. What do you, what, I mean, I don't want to interrupt your flow here, hold that thought, but what do you think is uh, that calming factor in those situations? I mean, obviously there's group support, there's camaraderie, there's that sort of, that kind of energetic connection and, and um, you know, kinship, but what, what else is going on there that actually gives them that little hit of, of calm, do you think? Um, well, look, demons like chaos and noise and um, what's the word? Trouble. We'll just call it trouble. Like, they love making trouble. But you go to those meetings and everybody's talking to you about calmness, gentleness, slowness, and making decisions carefully, right? Not mm-hmm. not spur at the moment, crazy, crazy um, impulses. So it's kind of like and, they, uh, they get bored and lose interest kind of thing. Well, no, no, no. Well, look, the reason why I joined, right, was because I knew there was crazy stuff going on in my head. But I listened to everybody else in the room and they go, I go, oh, I, I, I know where you've been going. I think I thought, I, I even said that one time. No, no, no. And I, I really, like, I knew how every one of them felt so yeah. intimately. Yeah. Right? And so there's this intrinsic trust that comes through through there. Like, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really wild phenomenon. But, but why, do the demons get, why do the demons quiet down at this point? Is it because there's nothing interesting, chaotic happening in the room? Because the human's not on their side. Yeah. You know, like. Okay, so think of think of it. Okay, you posed an interesting question, and so think of the demons as singing a song in the background, right? 
They're singing the song of chaos and drama and picking fights and making trouble and all of the jazz that those guys are into. And like, as a human being, you don't necessarily want to do it. But, you know, as the song keeps going, you start tapping to the beat, you start making the mood, you start doing the book. Right. And what, and what the meetings do is go, is they tune you into a different radio station. Yeah. And then you can start walking a different walk and talking, different talk and all that sort of stuff. And it really is like people call it about willpower, but it really is an arm wrestle. Yeah. Between yeah. these two forces on a daily, on a, and they say one day at a time because every day is different. Mm -hmm. you know, don't underestimate the tenacity and imagination these punky little bastards will throw into your head. Like they, they, it's, you know, if you don't drink, they don't eat. So they're pretty, they're pretty into it. They're pretty pushy on the topic, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can sort of understand. I like your, your answer to the question there because it's sort of like, okay, so you go into the meeting, it's nice and calm, you're getting a different song played. So now you're, you're tuning into a different vibe, you're tuning, you're resonating with something different. But the problem is you can't stay in the meeting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You go out and then the demon song starts to get a little louder, a little louder, a little louder. Yeah. And so you go back for, you go back for a fresh dose of calm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and every, uh, look, and one of the highest ambitions in that club is to be normal. Like it's, 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 it's funny, but it's not a joke, you know, or yeah. what, one way or the other. Yeah. No, no. I mean, there are people really struggling. So, I mean, again, like it sounds funny to us on the outside, but you've been there. So you know exactly what these guys are dealing with. Yeah. yeah. No, they, they gave me a management position in that club. So, um, they made me secretary of the board in Perth. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, look, oh, you know how I got the job? They said, oh, that guy speaks Chinese. He must be smart. And that was it. That was the whole, that was the whole interview process right there. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to sidetrack your, your main thrust there, your main story. Right. But you okay, yeah. yeah. I, oh, look, and, and we've talked a lot about alcohol, but there is a different demon for each drug. There's a drug for, there's a demon for opiates. There's a demon for weed. There's a demon for amphetamines. Like it's, you know, like the, the recipe is the same. The ingredients are a little bit different. You know, it's like, they're all much of a muchness. And and so I can remember um, a really interesting story from uh, George Ritchie, who had a, one of the most famous near death experiences on record and one of the most like detailed ones. And he went, he found himself traveling quite a bit in this out of body state, but he, he wound up in a bar at some point and in this disembodied state, he was watching this scene where he realized there's these actual physical people in the bar having a drink and, and having a good time or, you know, having a punch up or whatever. Uh, but also they were accompanied and they didn't realize it, but they were accompanied by a number of other beings of different types, such as maybe what he might, you might call demonic beings or other dis discarnate humans who were addicted to alcohol, who were looking for the next hit and they were trying to leap, they were literally leaping into the bodies of these incarnate humans who were drinking because as they drank, what he described was there was like a, a breakdown or an opening that would happen in the auric field and then they were able to penetrate through and get in. Well, look, and I've had long discussions with Al Ghul eh? because he and I have a very special relationship, as you might guess. Um, the And... I asked him about blackouts. I said, what's happening in a blackout? When somebody uh, get drinks to the point that they don't remember. And that's where there's enough alcohol in the body to shut down the brain, but the demon is able to grab the, the, grab the reins and control the human body for that amount of time. Mm -hmm. Which is why when people are um, in blackout, why they do their very, 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 very worst. Why they're at their, at their worst behaviours, they're the nastiest, weirdest, most depraved stuff comes when people are in blackout. Mm -hmm. And um Yeah, and it's because it's not a human doing this. Not at all. Nothing nothing even close to it. So yeah. So it's definitely not the the conscious personality of the human that's you know at the wheel at that point. Totally. Well look, you know, people say when you drink, then you know, your 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 truth comes out, the real you comes out. No, it's not. It's these passengers that you've got, like they're the ones who who step to the fall. Yeah, you know, which 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 also tells you something about a person. But there is a better resolution than that. 
So what we've got is a what sounds like a spectrum of uh, demonic input into our you know thoughts and behaviors and stuff. Uh, the blackout thing, the extreme end of the spectrum. Um, yeah. You know, what other kinds of input can we expect from them? Obviously, intrusive thoughts. Uh, you probably get asked about this kind of stuff. Give us give us some comments. Well, around okay. That. Well, there are there are eleven different body systems that they like to penetrate. All right. Okay. So, and I'll say. Um, you know, so the chakra system is one that everybody's probably familiar with, and that's like one of the bases of Hinduism. Um, and yeah, they, they don't they don't specifically go after that. But another body system that you might be aware of is the meridian system, which is the backbone of Chinese med and kinesiology. Mm-hmm. But you know, I would suggest that we have more than a hundred. Yeah, of okay. those non-physical body systems. Uh, Kabbalah is also another one. We have another a non-physical body system there that's quite famous and well-researched um, by, by very different groups researching it. Um, but, yeah, there are 11 body systems that they like to use, they like to penetrate, and once they're in there, um, you know, they can be very difficult to find. One of the – like when I got started, I was looking at one type of demons or one – Thing which is the Klingon spirits, uh, uh, Eckhart Tolle talked about them as pain bodies. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. He, and, uh, and it's so weird because it wasn't until like halfway in the middle of his third book, he writes about two paragraphs that goes, Yeah, they're demons, mate. What did what'd you think? What do you think they were? But you know, he buries it in the middle of his third book. Um, and or you know, Klingon spirits or attachments or all sorts of jazz like that, right? But as far as the spiritual milieu goes, that seems to be the only one anybody's talking about. However, there are at least 10 other different demons that adapt themselves to do different things within the human body. You know, there's, there's some that, look, there's emotional ones. There's others that are very much about addictive tendencies. And I would say addictive tendencies uh, are different from the addiction themselves. You know? Um, yeah, like we, I took a group to the casino one time to just scan people for demons while they're at the casino, and it was no different to what you described in that bar. No yeah, different right. at all. Yeah, like you'd see these little imps hopping from shoulder to shoulder. Go, ah! well, it was it was surreal. Um, yeah. yeah, but you also have ones that are, that are deeply involved in schizophrenia or bipolar, or you know that that's how we understand them. That's the way that we name that particular manipulation of the human psyche that comes through that lever within that body system, we would call schizophrenia or we would call it uh, bipolar or, we'd, or whatever it is, you know. So like there are. This is, this is very interesting. So, honing on schizophrenia, like for example, um, yep. what is the, how would you sort of characterize, you know, this, this body system? Um, what are they manipulating? What are they tinkering with? How does that sort of, in general terms, what does that look like? Okay, so there's a chamber in the, there's three CPUs in the body, right? The head, the heart, and the gut, right? Mm -hmm. So which, the head and the heart, we know a lot about. Um, You know, they even write songs about it, like, um, you know, Natalie Umbrulia was singing how she's torn because my head says yes, but my heart says no, or the other way around or whatever it was, right? And the other one is a soul, we have a plexus, which is... uh, a solar, the solar plexus, and a plexus is a you know heaps and heaps of nerve endings overlapping each other. Mm-hmm. Now, insects don't have brains; they have a plexus to do their thinking. And the solar plexus is where we get our gut instinct. And our gut instinct, you know, it, it's very very simple. It says yes, do it, no, yes, no, and that's its only the only computation that comes out of it. But there's particular types of demons that have found different ways to nest themselves within um, those CPUs. Mm-hmm. And so, and from here, it's very, very easy for them to create delusions and um, paranoia and um, concepts that are unique to them because okay. nobody, else, nobody else shares those ideas about what's going on in the world except them. Okay, can you give but, me uh, one of those concepts as an example? Because that's intriguing. Oh, okay, okay. So a lot of them go... I work for the CIA. I work for a spy agency. I work for, I'm an underground cover agent. I'm there, like whatever, something along those lines. But there is zero evidence to back it up, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, that's a really, really common one because it takes them into this world of 
secrecy, the special mission, and I don't have to listen to anyone else because they don't know what's really going on. Mm-hmm. So, so what yeah. kind of things? I, I know exactly. I think I know exactly what you mean. So, someone who has this this kind of a demon, uh, you know, in their head, the demon is is saying, "Am I misunderstanding you?" Or the demon is saying, "I I work for the CIA, or you work for the how, what? What are they? What's the messaging?" Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a, cl- a really important point to make. People don't realize. No, sorry. Some some of them have voices in their head, right? But uh, yeah. what usually happens is that they don't hear a voice. And they think the ideas originate from within themselves. Gotcha. Right. So they, they don't distinguish between that's my thought, that's not my thought. That, that distinction's not made. So then you have someone potentially who thinks that they work for the CIA. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's what happens yeah. quite often. And I've seen people, I met a guy once in the streets of uh, Sydney one time who, who thought that literally every car that was driving past and he was clearly in a, like a schizoidal state but l- literally yeah. every car that went past was a police car and that they were all looking for him yeah look and paranoia is great mm. paranoia is great it, it puts adrenaline in the system and then once your adrenaline's gone your brain's not working so they can manipulate you into making really bad decisions really easily and it's important it's an emergency the human's right on board with it yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, um, now look, they've figured it, look, they've had 10,000 years to figure out how the human body works and how to manipulate it. Where the switches they like to flick are, they've, they've got this stuff down pat. Um, how do you, what about, um, you know, uh, say the solar plexus as a, as a target point? What kind of an entity is interested in that and what for? Um, well, you see, each different demon has a different food. I'd say food, right? Um, because mostly on the astral planes, the substance is thoughts and emotions. Mm-hmm. So if you, so if you, you, you know, you know the love between your wife and yourself, you know it's a real thing. You can feel it. It's, it's actually there. It's just not physical. It's a non-physical object, the love between the two of you, right? And everybody can agree with this. I do feel there is love between us, right? Because on the astral planes, that love is a physical object. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, see, I'm sorry. I lost the question. Where was I at? Um, so I started with what kind of an entity is interested in the solar plexus and, and why? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and so if, uh, if there's a particular particular demon that's all about being abused or being smaller than or being um what's the word stood over or feeling weak then they'll attack the solar plexus because that's where your self-assertion that's like your self-assertion organ yeah your solar plexus like an army sergeant has a really strong solar plexus and um but you know uh somebody who's uh continually abused will not have a strong solar plexus because they don't know how to stick up for themselves. Yeah. But there are demons who enjoy the extremes of that, like not a normal, healthy boundary setting, but one who's got to step into everybody else's boundaries and one who has no concept of how to hold boundaries. Yeah. And so one demon will ask for uh, hyperstep. One demon will be the bully and one demon will be the victim. And what's even weirder is you'll get a handshake between those two demons within two people. Mm-hmm. And so they will, they will set up that relationship. Mm-hmm. They, and, you know, yeah, it's... Um, but that, yeah. so, so this is a really interesting point that you're making uh, because, you know, when I think back to... Uh, I spoke with... Oh, no, I'm going to have a mental blank. Um, a great lady whose name will no doubt come to me in a minute. Um, and she talks about this thing called, you know, she works with clients... Uh, who need a special kind of help, you know, kind of a little bit like you, right? Deal, dealing with in- interference. And she talks about this alien love bite scenario where these, you know, so-called alien beings will manipulate relationships into being for their own purposes, right? So, yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, alien love bite, sure. Um, uh, but it's not... Yeah, sorry, I don't you know. And what I'm talking about is weird as as well. So, but it is. It strikes me that they may be sometimes the exact same thing. There, there, there's, there's overlap in the concept, that's for sure. And if I spoke to her more clearly on the topic, and we, yeah, then it, it, 
then we could probably match them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like, uh, you know, a, no, a bully will walk into the room and find a victim within like the first minute. There's no, nobody knows, nobody don't have to talk to anybody, but they just have a natural attraction to each other. Yeah. And this sick, crazy, you know, they'll find each other and they'll match. Yeah. Now, nobody says that the law of attraction has to be positive for both parties. Correct. <laughs> right. So, and, you know, and if for somebody who is naturally weak or has a, has a weak solar plexus, I should say, and for somebody who has an overbearing solar plexus, the two of them have a dance to dance. There is a particular tango for them to go through. Mm-hmm. And here's the worst part. Instinctively, it feels right to them. Yeah, completely. Because it, do- it doesn't contest any of their emotional truths. It, it, it only proves them. Well said. And there's nothing, there's nothing worse than trying to contest somebody's emotional truth. Like, you're just pushing it uphill from there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is great. This is great. So that's right. I mean, people, like you said, people have that instinct. They don't even have to think about it. You know, a bully walks into a room, like you said, and they know automatically who, who the target is, who the victim is. Um, but you, you're adding this other really interesting level here where you, we've got a demon in the, the, the target and a demon in the bully, and they've got sort of a mutual agreement here because they're both going to generate, if they succeed, a shit ton of, of louche uh, to feed on. Of the particular type. One, mm-hmm. of I love being the bully, and one, I love being the victim, and that goes into the demonic system and feeds their entire structure. Mm. Like it's... um, And... They get us humans to dance that dance day in, day out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I love it. I love some of the, some of the stuff that's come up here. It's been great. Um, okay, so solar plexus, I think we've covered the brain, covered solar plexus. Um, how about... Oh, sorry, no, no, how about how about I talk about this? Each different chakra has a particular... Um, uh, uh, bear, what do you call it? What's the word? so each particular chakra has a demon that likes to tinker with it right uh, yeah and so the base chakra deals with weights both too much and not enough uh-huh. and workaholism uh-huh. the uh the sacral chakra uh, those people usually love uppers or amphetamines of some kind and sex and so like You'll have uh, everybody in the porn industry has got a sacral chakra infection. All the nymphomaniacs in the world have a sacral chakra infection, right? In form of a particular kind of demon. Yeah, because like that that particular demon wants sexual energy, and will just push, push, push that person and go get some. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and gets yeah. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. Um, they must. They yeah. must love. They must love Tinder. <laughs> totally. Oh, look. Um, our teams did research into the porn industry and there is one particular deity that is harvesting all of the orgasms, all of the Kundalini energy from all of the orgasms that and it was doing well when print porn came into being, but when internet porn came into being, it was shoot, <laughs> the graph, it just took off and it's, and it's into sexual depravity. And it's actually, and it's it's so rich, so to speak, that it can produce think tanks to create further perversions. Oh wow! And one of those is the woke agenda. One of them is the transgender story that comes out of that deity. Um, who, yeah, I've got a lot more to say on that topic, but we're going a little bit off topic here. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, okay, let's maybe we'll circle back to that. Continue, continue, go where you want to yeah, go. Yeah, but the sol- solar plexus are people who like downers like heroin and weed. If if you know somebody who smokes a lot of weed, you push them in the solar plexus chakra, that little spot just under the sternum, and they, and that will feel sore and weak every time. Why? Because there's a little demon chewing on it. And all of the resources that get all of the resources that go into rehabilitating and maintaining it are being soaked up by this demon. Um, the heart, it's about, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, compulsive relationship, but there is a word, they can't stand being alone. And there is a word for this that's just fallen out of my head. Um, codependent, codependent, that's the word I was looking for. Very clingy, right? Because their heart needs to be in contact with somebody all the time 
And once it's there, it's not an easy relationship. This person will be push, pull, push, pull. Is this relationship real? Do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? And like all of that drama is the emotions that they feed. And remember that the demons don't have to get the emotion from the particular individual that they're inhabiting. They can also soak it out of somebody else. They can elicit that that emotion out of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, with the throat chakra, it's compulsive lying. Mm-hmm. And with the, with the third eye, which is um, uncommon, but it happens, is the pressure of ideas. Mm-hmm. So somebody who's having big ideas, and the ideas are so big, and they're so important, I can't think about anybody or anything else. That's why I didn't shower all week, because the idea is so big. <laughs> yeah, like this is the kind of thing that you're facing. And mm-hmm. um, so... You know, there is like, and these are major psychological disorders that I'm talking about. Like, these are not uncommon at all. Mm. But you know, I have a demonic exp- explanation for them all, and a, a, and a and an exorcism resolution for them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this is research that nobody wants to do without being funny about it. Like, I had I had a friend years ago who said, "Oh yeah, I, I went to study tantra for a couple of months, and I just spent the whole weekend in a ten-person orgy. It was the best fun I've ever had." <laughs> yeah. Why? Why am I? Why am I studying demons again? Why am I doing that? Like, like I could have, I could have gone on a different tangent. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's everybody's taste, but it, it sure made it sound good. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, go on. Why I got I, I got involved in hunting down demons and understanding demons just because like when I saw just how much people struggle in the twelve step program from demonic infection and like these guys are pouring their heart out they're talking about what they really feel and what they really think and people who set who will say in public I don't trust my own mind mm-hmm. you know, which is why the whole thing needs a, a sponsor so you've got somebody to ask. Is yeah. this idea true or am I or is am I just my brain just playing tricks with me? And I saw those sorts of things happening. I thought somebody has to put an end to this. Like there must, there has to be a way out of this. There has to be a way through. This is there's no reasons why humans should be stuck in this sort of trouble. There's no reason at all. And as unpleasant as the answer is in facing down demon kind, um, Every time we confront them, we are stronger. Life is stronger than death. They don't, and, and I and I can say, and if you watch my other YouTube, they don't belong here. They are not born here. They are important to Earth. They are not a natural phenomenon. And because they're not a natural phenomenon, the metaphysics of them, or the the this being our planet, our will is stronger than theirs. Okay, and we can destroy them every time. But remember, like, these are very, very weak creatures, despite anything that Hollywood will tell you. You know, if you watch a movie and you see a demon in it, then you know, those things are the stuff of nightmares. But most of the demons I meet are just idiots. Yeah. Just idiots who are obsessed with one emotion, with sadness, with despair, with feeling lonely. <laughs> and listening to them talk, you just want to punch them. Um, <laughs> so, so, like... So that's that's not the that's not the the, the counselor in me speaking right there, but I, I just <laughs> <laughs> no, but, a little bit. Like, when, when you try counsel someone, well, when you try and counsel someone with de- with a demon, the counselling you're trying to debate a demon to be something he is not to change mm-hmm. himself, and he's not actually physically capable of doing so. Mm-hmm. Right, so I, I counselling I found I find frustrating. One thing I want to ask you this about demons um, and and humans who are no longer in physical density. Uh, what was his name? Um, William. Oh damn it! It'll come to me in a second. William. Someone had a. Uh, he he was a practicing therapist. He was removing demons from people. He worked with his wife, who, uh, William uh, Baldwin, um, and he worked with his yeah, wife. About, yep, yep. Yeah, I, I think with you it would. And he worked with his wife, who was clairvoyant, and so she could see the demons that they were, you know, um, speaking to through the person who was actually infested. Um, and what they found was quite interesting. Some of the time, it was a human who had sort of been converted to the demon side and started looking demonic and acting demonic. This kind of thing. Well, look, and 
uh, years and years ago, I wrote of 11 different sources uh -huh. of demons. Uh, they are produced in 11 different ways. But like, uh, I will talk about Hindu death rites for a moment, mm -hmm. right? Because it's very, very relevant. Um, you see, what happens is like when the human body, when the physical body dies, then so too does the 4D spirit. The 5D soul goes off somewhere else, but the 4D spirit starts to break up. Now, if somebody's invested a lot of emotion in, say, sadness or loneliness or revenge or anger or what, ha what have you, right? That is actually quite a coherent part of their body. Yeah. And that coherent part of their body will go, oh, no. I, it, 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 once an emotion reaches a certain mass, it does grow a mind of its own. Uh -huh. And so those, that emotion is then on the lookout for a new host. Right, and not, you know, it was, it was part of the original human. But now that that human's dead and it's self-aware, it's got to find a new host. So, who does it go to? It goes to family members. It rides the etheric connection or the love connection or the kindness. It rides those connections into the new person. Now, in Hindu death rites, they burn the body, hopefully immediately, mm -hmm. in order to destroy any of those parasites. Any of those, they do become parasite spirits. Yeah. Um, uh, to destroy them immediately, and the the family is considered unclean for two weeks, which uh -huh. means they get smudged, they get smoked, um, they go through a ceremony twice a day for two weeks, and they're not allowed contact with people. They stay at home, all that sort of. Thing. There's a few different procedures to it, parts to the procedure, but um, that that Hindu death rite is specific to preventing the a part of a human transferring to another human mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's only and, and the happy emotions don't want to do that it's only the negative emotions that get desperate and are willing to exploit people the nice emotions don't do that they don't want to exploit anybody yeah so you can't you can't cat though you know i would have loved to have been at robin williams death because if i caught his happiness and his energeticness that would have been wonderful but it's just not feasible you know Mm. Um, well, I mean, and you know, just to clarify, people. It sounds like when you're talking about you talk about the four D um, part of the person, the five D part. Um, I think occultists and theosophists would refer to the four D part as the the shade or the wraith. Um, this part that is kind of like entitized and then has to go on to become a parasitic thing to sustain itself. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you've you've heard you've heard the same story using different words from other people, like which just verifies that. If we're if we're in contact with the same phenomenon, we're just using different words to describe it. Yeah, yeah. And so then yeah. you, you refer to the five B part, which is uh, the part that. You know, how do you characterize what happens to that that part of us oh. at that stage? Well, um, it's oh look, there's a process to death. Um, mm -hmm. you know, when you you go through a reincarnation cycle, you know, um, this. The soul leaves the body. It goes back to reincarnation central or the reincarnation factory or whatever you call it. You have a debrief, right, about what you learned and what you wanted to learn. Then you have a new. Then you wait around. You decide what you want for the next for the next life, and then you wait around for an appropriate body to be born into, one mm -hmm. that will be fitting. Um, you know, I, I teach this in my courses. I teach uh, I said, uh, what is it? Reincarnation mechanics is one of the units. Cool. Uh, but there's two features to this that are not well known, right? One is that a soul can be exterminated in this mm -hmm. process if it has accrued so much negative karma that it, uh, like, uh, like financially, if it accrued so much debt that it's not feasible for it to pay it, then they won't put it back in the in the human cycle where it can infect other people with its madness. Mm -hmm. um, so some some souls actually get deleted or disintegrated, or they return to source as space dust rather than an ascended being. Right. And <laughs> look, it's practic it's pragmatic when you think about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other one is, uh, and some of them, and some of those dark souls don't go into um don't go into the reincarnation cycle and run around looking for a new host anyway 
Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, there's there's verification of those ideas in in other places, like um, you know the Theosophists talk about what you just said, like a, a soul that accumulates so much, you know, debt has become so wayward and destructive that it is essentially lost, and and they can't the higher you know the oversoul higher self entity can't bring it back, can't harvest it because it's just just it's just all toxic. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing nothing to bring back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm not the first person to stick my toe in the water with this one. Um, <laughs> but you know, no, nobody's done more research than you, mate. Like, um, you know, you've researched everything out there. It's it's really impressive. Oh well, you um, know, it's nice to it's nice to be able to swap notes and, and you know compare things because you're able to verify from your extensive explorations. You know, a lot of the stuff that I'm I'm reading about. Um, so it's great cross pollination. Totally, totally love it, love it. Um, yeah. So where to next? What else can we talk about as far as, you know, um, I know you, you started working with uh, a PhD in uh, doing a world first study on removing demons. Uh, no, nah, I never got to complete that. Ah, damn. Which was, yeah, no, ah, which would have been the first of its kind. What? Right. Yeah, well, look, there's... um. No, hang on, I get this straight. There's, there's the first year of your PhD study is you read everything on the topic. And uh, the girl who was doing that research says, I can't find anything, right? Which kind of means that science has no opinion on demons. It has done no research. There is no study. It has no opinion. But, you know, like the Christians call them demons. The Muslims call them jinn or genies. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the Jews call them uh, Ouija, from where we get the word Ouija board. The uh -huh. Hindus call them Bhutpret, and the Chinese religions call them Mogwai. And you have this you have this thing where you know all of these different cultures independently find the same phenomenon, and they all have different names for it, and they all have different stories. You know, like you know, like in Christianity, they'll say never make a deal with the devil. And then you get the story of Aladdin's lamp, where you go, yeah, make a deal with the devil, but you're going to get burned. You know? <laughs> <That's>... yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty powerful uh, cross-correlation there and support when yeah. you look at different cultures. But the, sci the science hasn't caught up with it, is my point. Well, there's so much prejudice in the, in the realm of, you know, science. I mean, you know, we've, we've come out of the 1700s. We've got this hardcore materialist philosophy we still haven't fully recovered from. And, you, you know, as you would know well, dealing with people, we're still stuck in this materialist mindset. Most of science is infected by it. Um, is there a demon for materialism? Yeah. No, uh, yes, there is. He's called the Demiurge. You'll ah. read about him, yeah, you'll read about him in the Gnostic uh, text yes and, yes and and also the one that i was talking about um who is about uh sexual uh weirdness is pistis sophia oh, okay. so part of the, the part of the great wisdom of, sorry sophia is the great wisdom of the of the universe and pistis sophia is this feminine part which is stroppy and angry and vengeful and nasty and it's split off from the rest of um, from the rest of the and you know deities like Jezebel are uh, the and um, and Kali and uh, Sekhmet are are all parts of are all spin-offs or versions or children of Pistis Sophia. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. that is unfortunate about the the study not being completed. Uh, it's um. What can you do? You know, like, this is, you know, like, this yeah, is no, they, go ahead. No, there were well look, the you know, the universities are very, very conservative because if they're not conservative, they don't they, they get frowned on when it comes come comes time to ask for funding. Mm -hmm. And so of the six para of the six universities that have a parapsychology unit that would study this sort of thing. Only one of them said yes, and that guy who said yes was Stanley Kripner, Stanley oh, yeah. Kripner, who um who's retired now, but he was in his eighties or late seventies, early eighties, and still sharp as a whip. Um, but he was the only one who was at a point in his career where he didn't care. Like, yeah. 
and you know, and uh, we'll never, we'll ne- we may never get that back in this current system. Yeah, yeah. Have you, um, have you ever spoken to Lance Storm? No, but I'd love if you connect us. That'd be great. Yeah, I don't know. It might be, might be worth having a chat about that. See if he, he's interested or knows somebody who can help you run the study. Well, look, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to to um, take it out into the world, but at the same time, like. I think I'd get contests from a few major demons, as I did in the last one, and I also, um, and also the pharmaceutical industry has a lot yeah. to lose if I'm right. Yeah, yeah, well, that's uh, yeah, that's a given, absolutely. So, uh, did yeah, I so mean that'll be interesting? Well, that's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> you, know, you have big farmer and the demon world coming after you. Yeah, like um. You know, but you, you you know you can tell how well you're doing in life by the quality of the enemies you make. If I'm pissing off Satan and Lucifer, I'm doing a great job. Let's just be clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I know you're very good at what you do, man. So, um, you know, when you're when you're like, I, I wanted to get into this earlier, and uh, maybe we can circle back to it. So, like working with somebody, I know you've removed a lot of entities from people. Um, you know, how easy is it? What's the process involved, generally speaking? Um, I, I had to revive the, the group of techniques, like to figure out that there are like, I didn't learn a lot. Of, I, sorry, a lot of the stuff I know, I didn't learn anywhere. I uh-huh. just uh, I discovered it through um, contact time. So putting on the boxing gloves at night, flying out there and picking a fight and seeing what I can learn. Yeah. And um. And it took me 15 years to do it, but I've got students who, after a year's worth of study, are showing great competence in this. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, my courses are wild and they take people from zero to the tippity top of the game. Uh, and, you know, it's a step-by-step scaffolded thing. It, it's as much work as a diploma or an advanced diploma. It's, yeah, you'll love it. If anyone who gets involved in it loves it, absolutely loves it. Well, I mean, I'm definitely going to encourage for anyone who's listening to this and who's interested in this line of work and wanting to develop a skill set to check your stuff out. So, I mean, what's the link? What's the best link for them to go to? Uh, Allobarjones.com. Allobarjones. So it's A-L-O-B-A-R. Allobar. Bar, it sounds like a bar of aloe. That's exactly who I am, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Okay, so so how long does a course take to complete? Like a couple of years or um, like, uh, a year or a year and a half is probably a good amount of time. Um, you know, but it's a week by week study. So each week we come back, I show you another concept and we we play with that. We do I introduce the topic, we do a control practice, we do a free practice. I don't and then uh, you know, you have the week to sort of use it, play with it, learn it, make it yours. And then next week, we do a part where we answer questions about that, what happened, what worked, what didn't work. I did this, so that was that happened, what does that mean? And so, like, it's really, I'm there to hold your hand through the process of discovering everything. But, you know, it took me five to ten years to really get my head around. Because, and, and I don't do very much philosophy, right? The hippie waffle can stay out of it and just stick with technique, technique, technique. Yeah, right, because it's about results. <laughs> That's the point, right? You know, if, if we're going to treat this as a science, then we don't need great mystic concepts and, and big dreamy, like, get, out, get that out of it. Um, no, if it, like, if it is a science, if it is a toolkit, then you apply these tools, you get a, a, a predicted result, and that predicted result can be repeated in other people. Very yeah. simple. But yeah. otherwise, otherwise, like, Otherwise, it's just frustrating everybody to try and you know sift through what's what's useful and what's hippie waffle. So I want to ask you, you know, working with people, you know, like alcoholics, um, you know, this sounds like it would be fairly relatively plausible and easy to to you know systematically track you know metrics, results, you know outcomes, and actually like tabulate that. I mean, is that have you done some of that? No. No, I'm, I'm a one-man band at the moment. Like, I, I do, my astral travel teams, we do all sorts of stuff. We go out and do all sorts of stuff, but I'm barely keeping up with making the YouTubes to report on that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, I know, I know yeah. how that goes. <laughs> I got a lot of my hands at the moment. Yeah, oh, mate. You know, it's, um, yeah, people don't realize how much goes into making these videos, do they? No, it's, um, it's funny, you know, they really don't. Unless they're doing it, they have no idea. Um, so, okay, well, let me just circle back to you. What, what, aside from the demons, the overt demons, what other critters uh, would you say are causing, you know, most havoc for humans at this point? This concludes part one of the show. You'll find part two and related materials in my members-only portal, The Truthiversity, the consciousness-raising university. This creation is the official home for all my multimedia research and entertainment content. Updated regularly, my members get access to absolutely everything I create, including full podcasts, videos, blogs, courses, audio files, live internal events, the whole enchilada. Grab yourself a free 24-hour pass at access.truthiversity.com.